When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Writer-director Ben Lewin and his wife, producer Judy Levine, delivered the Oscar-nominated Gem The Sessions in 2012. I spoke with them about their newest romantic comedy, Falling for Figaro, starring Daniel McDonald of Patty Cakes and Dumplin'. I'm Ben Lewin, and this is Judy Levine, and the film is Falling for Figaro. Ben is the writer-director, and I'm the producer. People will remember, of course, yeah, your your film that you directed and produced, uh, The Sessions, a few years back. That got a lot of acclaim. So if you like that, check this one out. Um, why don't we, before we get too far in, well, just hit them with the premise really fast. What's what's the basic, you know, logline? A girl wants to chuck her job in finance to become an opera singer. Um, uh, signs up with the singing teacher from hell and uh, find herself falling in love with her competition and uh, who in the process discovers that uh, in order to learn to sing, you have to have a broken heart. No. Well, I mean, uh, that, that's quite the juxtaposition, the world of finance and the world of opera. <laughs> How do you juxtapose those, you know, visually? Oh, very briefly. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we get... We get that she's kind of um, doing a job, come to a sort of a threshold in her life, decides this is the moment. So you get a sense of the opening of the movie that, you know, there's something brewing inside her and about to hatch. So, uh, um, uh, you, you know, we leave the world of finance fairly quickly. It's not gritty. She's, in, she's, you know, she's sort of pretty high flying in the world of finance, so she can afford to to take this risk in her life, uh, you know, so. Uh, she has expensive luggage. Yeah, she's, she's, she's privileged, <laughs> she's privileged, but, uh, but the lead actress, Danielle McDonald, is absolutely terrific in the role and uh, really brings a very sort of an authentic, uh, you know, sort of human kind of portrayal of it. And, and uh, Danny, I don't know if you're familiar with her work from Dumplin' and Patty Cakes. She did Dumplin' with uh, Jennifer Aniston, Patty Cakes, where she plays a rap singer, you know, she has quite a high profile through through the Sundance Film Festival. And then she was in a terrific series called Unbelievable with Tony Collette. And uh, and she's just she's just the, the camera loves her. She's a natural on screen. But, you know, this is not your typical kind of tall, thin, you know, romantic couple. Uh, Hugh, not Ken and Barbie. Definitely not Ken and Barbie. I mean, Hugh Skinner is 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 good looking, but in a slightly quirky way. He's one of those people where you look at him and you think, oh, he's good looking. And then if you look for a while, you start to think, oh, well, a little odd, odd here and there, but uh, <laughs> they're, you know, they're great together. Uh, and Joanna Lumley just um, 
you know, from, from absolutely fabulous, Ab Fab is this, you know, wonderful, very, very uh, sort of textured singing teacher from hell that completes the triangle of relationships between the three of them. It's great. Really, you know, <laughs> lovely cast. What makes a singing teacher from hell? Or is it like, you know, J.K. Simmons whiplash throwing symbols? Or what's a singing teacher from hell? <laughs> very, very apt comparison. And in the course of making the movie, because we interacted with so many young singers and singing students, we found out that the singing teacher from hell was really the norm. You know, they all had stories about their horrid singing teachers and the terrible things that they did to them. So it was a very identifiable character in a way. Um, a lot of these young singers that I interviewed, you know, that we know actually, but they all talked about leaving lessons in tears on a regular basis and having a sense of sort of PTSD if they were thought about some of their particular teachers. I mean, their singing teachers are known to be very sort of quite physically brutal. I mean, they, you know, grab you around the rib cage, make you push the piano, do push-ups while you're trying to sing, you know, uh, uh, they, they can really be very hostile and aggressive for whatever reason they feel that that is going to achieve the best results. But uh, but most, you know, a, lot, a lot of singers will have stories about teachers that have just been brutal so but but Joanna brings a lovely sort of you know I mean it's it's done with a sense of humor so it's I don't know it's whiplash meets some sort of comedy uh, you know uh, yeah it, well an uh, Ernst Lubitsch film it, really you know no <laughs> oh, I love the Ernst Lubitsch reference what's your favorite Ernst Lubitsch film I I love them I love that guy uh, all of them. All of them. Little shop around, little yeah. shop on the corner. Is that yes, it? Yes. yes. Little shop, shop around the corner. corner. Yes. Yeah, so shop good. Around the corner. Corner. Thank corner. you. Yeah. There's one of our favorites. Trouble. Uh, what was it Trouble in Paradise in '32 or Ninochka in '39? Yeah. Like, yeah, so many good ones. But there is there is something a bit old fashioned about the movie in that sense. It does have a kind of Ernst Lubitsch kind of quality. Of, uh, well, I like to flatter myself thinking so, uh, um, <laughs> but it it, it 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 is a bit like that and. Um, uh, and really, the, the music is a major, major part of it. I, I, I don't think I ever realised until we were deep into it how much um, music there is in it and, and, and how much it sort of um, is part of the story. It's not just kind of underscore. It's very much part of the story because you, you see these two people develop into, you know, into wonderful singers um from a kind of a rusty beginning and and um i i guess it's a little bit like um uh, american idol or britain's got talent in some ways and that you you have that same sense of um you, you know they're going for a prize they've got to prove something I like to think of the film as having a bit of a try, you know, it's the sort of the trifecta. You've got comedy, you've got love, and you've got this terrific sort of sense of competition. So you're all, we're hoping the audience will be on the edge of their seats, uh, you know, wondering who's going to win. Um, uh, and I always, I, you know, I find it quite extraordinary when you, if you read articles about the film where the journalists feel absolutely compelled to give away all the, you know, all the, all the spoiler alerts to, you know, to give away the secrets of who's going to win and how we, how we did the singing and the this and the that. You know, I think it's lovely to leave all of that oh, and just go in and enjoy it. They don't say who's going to win, do they? But anyway. Uh... Um, uh, so, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it does happen, uh, actually, in a couple of the articles I've read, but that's okay. People should stay away from the press and just go and enjoy the movie. I think people will really come out 
feeling like they're going to have a bit of joy in their lives and they get to sing and feel happy for you know which we all could do with at the moment you know there's not i think uh, everybody could do with a bit of joy yeah, I'll, I'll stay away from any spoilers in, in our article. So, uh, but stay away from the, the rest of the press. Just read ours. <laughs> yeah, there you um, go. Yes, of course. And, and we'll, listen to the radio. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, instead of the Lubitsch touch, it'll be the Ben Lewin touch. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you very much. Um, cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good uplifting um, singing story is, is just what we need. I mean, uh, Coda was, was similar. That was great too. Um, obviously with a different, different angle on it, but yeah, I like the, I like those kind of movies. Um, yeah, how, how long, how long yet actually say uh, again? It, uh, we haven't been able to see Coda yet. I think we're going to be able to see it here uh, in about another month or something. We'll have access to it in Australia. Yeah. Oh, they don't put it on Apple TV uh, there at the same time as the States? No, not necessarily. And uh, I remember reading that that uh, I was going to be able to watch it, but I had a feeling it was still going to be another two or three weeks or whatever, four weeks away. Right. Uh, doesn't always work yeah. at the same time. Highly recommend. I mean, you guys know it won, it won Sundance, but... Um, yeah, it, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, hard, it's really hard to do, as you know. It's, it's hard to do a coming-of-age story, but I think that one you know, threaded the needle just, just right between sweet and profound. And, um, you know, sounds like yours, yours does it as well. What, um, how, tell me about like the actual production, you know, the, the logistical stuff, like how long did it take to shoot? Where did you film? Well, I think it took us 28 days. Um, we filmed in Scotland, um, mostly around, uh, you know, very famous Loch Lomond. Uh, I'll take the high road and you'll take the low road. That 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 song, and I'll be in Scotland. <laughs> anyway, um, it, it really is uh, very picturesque. The only downside is that we're working in the middle of winter. You don't necessarily know, but it it was um, it was really cold, and um, we did sort of interact quite a bit with the locals. So you got a feeling of of a place. You know, it was a an invented place, but it felt like a, a real a real village, and it, it was all shot around a, a pub um, called the Filthy Pig. Um, <laughs> so, and you know that I, I wanted to mention there's a real kind of quirky chemistry between the two romantic leads, which is very different from the usual sort of Ken and Barbie stuff. It's a really fascinating chemistry between them. Oh, well, yeah, there's enough Ken and Barbie movies out there. Let's see something different. Let's see some more realistic yeah. couples, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely, it's definitely, we wanted to, we, we wanted to go that way. And there was a lot film. of, lot of, you know, I've never done a film before with so much music where you, you had to really plan things around the musical production. Um, and it, it, it's... Um, quite quite tricky i mean we learned we learned on the fly in many cases you know there was some decision making to be had about how are we going to uh well prep the singers so hugh skinner actually had opera singing experience and he was he sang in uh uh mamma mia here we go again and um uh and he had sung in choruses opera choruses when he was young he actually kind of aspired to be an opera singer and is a very capable singer uh but not you know, he hasn't really sung opera for many years and therefore wasn't really strong enough to sort of, you know, carry the film. And uh, so we had um, 
we had repetiteurs who are like opera singing teachers with, you know, they usually play the piano and they talk a lot about body language and breathing and all of those things and how to be sort of how to act as well as sing. And so both Danny and Hugh were able to have a number of sort of lessons with them. Uh, and we also had one repetitor, Beth Jerem, who was on set with us and was there to sort of work with them as well. Uh, and it was lovely because we would stay when we were filming out in Lust, which is next to Loch Lomond, uh, we would all stay in this in this lovely um, hotel called the Loch Lomond Arms. It was all very Scottish and quaint. And, and so they could sort of hang out together, Joanna and Hugh and Danny, and, and build a relationship uh, that way, you know, and Shazad and Gary, the other, the other sort of um, significant supporting characters. Uh, so there was a lot of camaraderie around that, which I think really helped with, with doing scenes that were really quite challenging. Especially. Do you remember a film called Billy Elliot? Of course. Well, the father from Billy Elliot, Gary Lewis, uh, it plays the, uh, the owner of the pub. Okay, the filthy, the filthy pig. <laughs> he's the filthy pig himself. He's, he's terrific. He's very funny. You can just make you laugh by standing there and not saying a thing, you know. Yeah, he's very, he's very wry and dry. And, you know, yeah, he would, she would some, you know, sometimes there'd be a line where, where the, the character Millie would say something and he would just sort of look at her and there's wonderful sort of silence. And, you know, and you can see he's kind of, he's thinking and wondering, well, what am I going to say back to this person, this Londoner, this, you know, this, this sort of, you know, he has the best line in the movie, actually. He does. Have, he yes. has the biggest laugh in the movie. He does get one of the biggest laughs in the movie. Anyway, it's, you know, he, he's lovely. It's a, it's a wonderful balance. There's also this great actor, Shazad Latif, who's very well known over in British television and stuff and, and uh, gorgeous looking, who plays the former boyfriend. Well, he's the boyfriend for a while until till Millie meets, meets Max. But uh, uh, gorgeous guy. And, and again, another sort of terrific chemistry, I think, between them. Um, and there are a couple of wonderful cows who play starring roles. Oh, yes. Well. There's cows? They're, they're Highland, Highland Coos, they're referred to as. They're called the Highland Coos. As, uh, you know, Scotland is famous for these big, very, they're like, very you know, woolly cows. You, you know how on these uh, singing competition shows like Idol, you have these judges? Simon well, Cow. <laughs> Simon Cowell, exactly. yeah, Simon Cowell, the cow, so yeah. The, the, the cows are the judges. The cows are the judges, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. They, they enjoy but... listening to the opera. Uh, and it's interesting because it's really, uh, the opera in this film is not at all, you know, it's very kind of, it's seductive. It's also very accessible. And we really feel like people will actually really enjoy it in a way that they don't expect to, you know, rather than sort of like, oh, you know, I, I don't want to see a movie about opera. It's not about opera. It just happens to be set in the world of opera competitions. But the music, you know, we worked very hard to choose songs that were not necessarily absolutely well known, although there's a few that are very identifiable and you hear them in commercials all the time but there's some there's some duets that they sing that are just so beautiful and 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 melodic and you know and 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 people really enjoy them you know the few the few screenings we've been able to have through the pandemic uh people have really loved them they've come out saying oh I didn't know I'd enjoy opera that much you know and and oh maybe I should listen to a bit more I wouldn't mind going to an opera I don't think I've never been to an opera you know so it's us it does sort of give people a, a little insight into that world and and some enjoyment of something they think they might not like, but why not? You know, it's a, it was I always... I didn't know I'd enjoy opera that much, actually. <laughs> yeah, he actually had much less experience with opera than I did. Yeah, I grew I, up going I to opera. I actually specialise in making films on subjects I know nothing about. 
Yes. Well, because lot, when you're done, uh, then you do know a lot about it. So. And the pre previous film was about a baseball player. I mean, what I know about baseball, you could sort of write on the palm of your hand. So, uh, <laughs> was it the was it the catcher and the spy? Yeah, catcher was a yeah, spy. Yeah. Catcher was a spy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben didn't know a lot about baseball. I so mean, again, I, not really a baseball movie, right? But but I, he was I'm looking for player. another subject that I know nothing about, so I can <laughs> make it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was the the uh, um, the Mo the Moberg story, but that's good. See, but yeah. now after that, you know more about baseball. After this, you know more about opera. I mean, that come on, life is all about growing, right? So. Oh go. yes, absolutely. It's like going back to school. We we learn we learn from every film we make. Actually, there's usually a bunch of stuff that we haven't experienced, and we get to live in lots of different places, which is great. We got to live in Prague for Catcher Was a Spy. We got to live in Glasgow when we were making making Falling for Figaro, and then our, now we're living in Perth, Western Australia, while I'm doing How to Please a Woman. It's uh, not complaining, not complaining. No, we, our we, kids complain every now and again because uh, we when, go when, away. When but... we were making the sessions, we got to live at home. Yes, we did. We that got to live here. at home. That, that Unusual. We got to shoot it in LA and live in our house, which was very nice, actually. Staycation, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a, you know, sort of a staycation. Uh, but uh, no, we had a lot of fun making Falling for Figaro. It was, uh, it was, it was really great that we got to do it. You know, uh, they, the script arrived. You know, uh, in in my laptop. You know, in my emails uh, in about 2015, and uh, it's great to have it. You know, done and out. Uh, it's challenging to release a film during during a pandemic. I have to say that's yeah. that has not been easy, uh, but it is. You know, we're, we're very thrilled that it's out theatrically in the US. Um, uh, it is on VOD at the same time, but we're hoping people will go to the cinemas. We've been told people are going back to the cinemas there because uh, it's fun to see it on the big screen. And and Scotland looks fantastic. You know, it really does look very beautiful in it. So you, you get to have a little bit of a travelogue as well while while you're enjoying the movie. <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome well um you you mentioned the sessions uh just memories of that really quick because i feel like a lot of our listeners will remember that one fondly but uh, a very interesting uh storyline in that one but some big stars you got to work with just fond memories of of putting that film together uh yeah i i think that was a, a sort of a real kind of turning point for me because i'd had such a uh a bad few years before it, I, I kind of, it was a, a sort of a period of drought and I, I made the sessions really to, to try and regain some self-respect. I had no idea it would actually be as successful as it was, but I, I just read an article one day online and it, it was a burning bush moment. And I thought, if only I can tell that story on film the way it's just been told to me. So, um, and and really, I guess it set me up as the what people call the forty as the forty-year overnight success. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it was. I think it's interesting to kind of you know do something. Uh, uh, successful when you when you kind of people think that you're you're ready to retire and and, <laughs> and, and I kind of uh, in a way I thought oh well that's a good warm up 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we're certainly much busier now as we're getting older than we were, you know, when we were when we were younger in our forties. But um, and uh, I can't stand hot young directors. Can't stand them. They keep getting in the way of us. <laughs> what we're trying to do, um, they're scary. No, uh, I'm trying to work with as many young directors as possible. But that's easier as a producer. Obviously, they're just you know they're putting Ben out of a job. But um, <laughs> but when the sessions came along, I mean, we really didn't have any idea that it would sort of, uh, ha you know, have the effect and the impact that it had. You know, when we got to Sundance with it, no one had seen it except people who were kind of on the inner circle who were mostly associated with the film. So it was a real shock to us when the first audience at the Eccles was like, you know, 1,200 people and it was this you know, massive reaction. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that... Um, you know, selling it, and then suddenly we were we were in that whirlwind of, of of bidding wars, and then traveling all over the world to all the festivals and winning awards and being treated like royalty. It was really, you know, the sort of that that Hollywood dream that you never expect to happen. It's a little bit like lightning it, in a bottle. It could go to your head. Well, it can, but it didn't. I mean, and I, I do think in Went the to end, my head. yeah, he's hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying. I'm always trying to kind of, you know, pull that one back. But uh, I think what, what what really made a difference about that film is that it's, you know, and and you know, I think lucky if you ever get to do this even once in your life is to make a film that really impacts people's lives. And this film really impacted, you know, I mean, you know, the sessions really impacted people's lives. It's sort of. Um, you know, uh, one of the things, you know, we, we, we were uh, in contact with the woman who runs the only program for training sex surrogates in America. And she said that, you know, within weeks of our film coming out, she was just getting inundated with calls from people who suddenly wanted to be sex surrogates, you know, and, and parents who would speak to us at screenings and sort of say, look, I've got a kid with a disability. I never knew how to broach the subject of sex with a, with a kid who's got a disability. And, and a guy who stood up at the Toronto Film Festival in front of 1500 people and said, I've been a sex surrogate for 30 years and I've never told anyone right so he just outed himself there wow. in the um, uh, and so I think it you know and it's still a film that's being referenced and every now and again one of our kids will say particularly our youngest who's just finished uni that she had friends who would you know message her and say oh your parents film is being shown in my sociology class or this <laughs> or that you know so um, that's that was really terrific for us and it did give us a you know a sort of a profile in LA that had been hard to kind of really you know get sort of solidify I guess uh opened up a lot of doors especially in terms of casting and all that kind of thing so things really picked up for us after that so we have very I mean terrific memories of that film uh I, you know it'll always be I think the one that that really stood out for us I mean with low very low budget we didn't get paid a penny while we were making that film it took a long time for us to see any money for it but uh but it was a very gratifying, you know, rewarding experience to make that film. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure it was. Well, before we run, um, plug the other movie that you're talking about, the one that brought you to Australia, How to Please a Woman. Uh, tell us what, what's that about? Give us a little teaser for that. <laughs> well, it, that's also, it's interesting because I think, you know, the way I tend to describe it doesn't really do it justice because it's, you know, it's about a, a woman in her 50s who's not feeling fabulous or she's just turning 50. And she ends up uh, taking over a, a moving company and turning it into house cleaning with benefits. Um, so, you know, you can have your house cleaned uh, by a guy with his shirt off and that's all, or maybe you might want something else. But it's really a film about women, especially women, uh, learning to ask for what they want, 
still feeling, you know, as they, as they, I, I don't know, I don't know what middle age is anymore, but let's say middle age for want of another term, but, you know, reaching middle age and that, you know, society tends to start to treat women like they're invisible at that point and that they're sort of no longer, uh, you know, they're no longer sexy and, and women want to continue feeling I, sensual I and sexual and attractive and, and have, you know, sort of exciting sex lives. Uh, and the film is about, how we should be able to do that. I uh, hope you don't have children of a tender age listening to your program, do you? <laughs> no, this is pre-taped. Don't worry. Um, pre oh, that's, that's, fine. that's great. Yeah. So anyway, that's what it's about. But it seems to be, real. you know, the, we've had a couple of test screenings and it really seems to to work across the board. Men really love it as well. Uh, younger women seem to really connect with it, uh, whether or not it may not be about some of those subjects but they've either seen their mothers going through this or they just recognize the the behavior the interaction between some of the the guys and the women um yeah. so that's the you know it, it's got a terrific actress in it called sally phillips who's from england but was might be people will recognize her from veep she plays very funny scandinavian politician in veep uh and anyway, she was in all the bridget jones diaries given, given her obsessions you can imagine how difficult life is for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get a reputation for always making movies about things to do with sex, it seems. But, yeah. um, well, but Falling for Figaro. Thing. Falling for Figaro yeah. is is something that probably everybody can enjoy, I'm sure. All ages, Absolutely. I'm sure. Yes, yes. Um, oh, no, well, I mean, ours is pretty tame, too, actually. It's a comedy, right. and it's, it's pretty tame. Uh, but uh, but Falling for Figaro is definitely crosses a lot of demographics in terms of age and appeal and you know, it's a feel-good movie. It's a date night movie. Uh, you know, it's a movie you could watch with your kids. It's, it's, it's. I think it's got. I think people are going to really enjoy it at the moment. It's great. Oh, you, you all don't even worry about it. You all do everything, you know, tastefully, and, and it's always it's nicely done. So, um, so yeah, I mean, everyone, it's, everyone's it will check out Falling for Figaro. It hits theaters well today as we're doing this interview and, and VOD. Um. Real quick, I guess, final question. How, how's it been received so far? Didn't you didn't it um, do pretty well at some festivals so far? Yes, yes. It won the Audience Award at the Berkshire International Film Festival, which is quite a sort of a, a well-known little indie festival. Uh, and uh, and it's been getting a lot of, you know, terrific coverage. Um, uh, you know, there's a real enthusiasm for it uh, amongst the, the people who have seen it. Uh, IFC is really, you know, they feel like it's going to do extremely well. And, Bentonville, uh, it also played very it well. It played at, very well at Bentonville, Bentonville at, at Gina Davis's festival, festival uh, which is very women-centric, that festival. And, uh, um, uh, you know, we're very excited by its opening up across the, you know, across the country and, uh, what you know, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not James Bond, so it's not in five hundred theaters, but it's in a lot of theaters. You know, more, many more than we expected it to be because they think people are, are really going to, you know get cotton onto it, I guess, is the expression. Uh, so we're hoping people will feel safe going into cinemas and, and seeing the movie. Absolutely. And uh, a cool chance to see the latest uh, thing in the career of, you know, if, if you enjoyed Patty Cakes or Dumplin' or I guess what else, Bird Box, any of that other stuff she was in, come check her yeah. out in, in this movie and, uh, and and enjoy it. It sounds like it's going to be a fun time. So we appreciate you joining us in, with the time difference from Australia to D.C. Uh, that's always appreciated. Uh, we'll get the we'll get the word out. Um, uh, I'll either run it either today or i don't know it's a short turnaround maybe monday at the latest but um i'll definitely i'll definitely get this get this up on the radio for remind sure remind me of seth rogan <coughs> i remind you of seth rogan 
Yes. <laughs> I think that's not an insult, is it? No. <laughs> I'll, I, well, I am Seth Rogen. The, the joke's on you. So. This is my this is my this is my DC alias. That is, that's a very Seth Rogen thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'll leave it at that. There you go. Like, nice nice meeting you both. See ya. Yep. See ya. See ya. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.